the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, September 20th, 2021. I am Seth Leibson. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. We'll get to the news in a few moments. But for the uh, tragic sadness of it, um, I have to tell you, in a certain sense, there was a warmth, and maybe it's the warmth of luxury and not going through it. Regular listener caller emailed me over the weekend that she is um, she is uh, in the hospital, not with COVID, with something else, and would appreciate our audience's thoughts and prayers. And I thought, you know, we have built a lovely community here where you can feel the thoughts and prayers of your fellow community members through uh, this radio show and through what we try to do together. We are one big, large class, and we're happy to extend those. We'll keep the names anonymous for now, but know that you have a fellow listener member, class member, you name it, contributor to the show, who is asking for your prayers and thoughts of health. And we convey those and are delighted to be able to be healthy enough and uh, well enough to do so. Uh, second, just observational, I um, I went to a concert last night, and I think it's the first concert I've been to since the advent of COVID here. I think it is. I was at the Celebrity Theater and it was the monkeys. And yeah, I know. I had really good seats <laughs> too. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing in, in, in many respects. Uh, two thoughts that I, one, one more relevant and one more philosophical. The first thought was they have a rule at the theater we were going to where you had to show proof of vaccination or get a test right there. And it dawned on me, most, most of the people walked, going in were vaccinated, and obviously because it's the monkeys, a slightly older crowd. So I, I couldn't tell you what percent I was looking at the line for the, uh, the you know, at the line at the, uh, for, the, for the COVID testing, on-site testing. And it, it, I'm guessing 80% of the audience was vaccinated and not having to have a test. Maybe 20, maybe 15, maybe 10% took the test. Something like that. Small venue, smallish venue, celebrity theater. And uh, and it dawned on me. It dawned on me that for all the vaccine relativism, vaccine relativism, that's not a bad word for it. Relativism, because the truth of what vaccines can or cannot do and where they should and shouldn't abide seems to be in the hand and the eye of the beholder rather than what the science says. So. The vaccine relativism, it seems to me, for those that were unvaccinated or didn't have proof of vaccination and got the immediate test to go into the venue, were actually probably the safer people than those who had a vaccine at some point and just showed their vaccination papers and walked in. Why do I say that? Well, if you think it through, 
we know that the vaccinated spread. We know that the vaccinated can become infected. We know that they can become infected whether they are vaccinated or unvaccinated. And, of course, the only people who can spread COVID are those that have it. But if you're vaccinated and asymptomatic, how would you know? How would you know without taking the test? So those that were taking the test in some respects were the safer people to be around than those not. And yet the entirety of society is to shame those that are unvaccinated. But they're the ones giving the ones that were unvaccinated that wanted to go into the show and took the test. were revealing something much more safe, weren't they? You with that, you with the vaccine don't know you don't have COVID. Me, irrespective of a vaccine, no, I don't. Now, of course, you can respond and say, well, who knows how accurate those tests are? Fine. Do that all day long. Who knows how accurate anything is with this story? Who knows? Who knows how good the mask wearing is by the guy who is playing guitar? It looked to me like a cloth mask, with Mike, which Michael Osterholm said is irrelevant and does nothing. Michael Osterholm basically maybe the second most famous epidemiologist in the country worked for joe biden maybe so you know just as we go about shaming let's let's just think about who's doing the more safe thing now seeing the monkeys i gotta tell you many of you might may be curious about it so we're happy to talk about happy to talk about it but it dawned on me it's kind of an eerie thing it was the second time i've seen them it's not like i'm this huge monkeys fan though they had a tremendous a tremendously talented group of songwriters when you think about it. Carol King, Neil Diamond, Carol Bayer Sayer. It was a tremendous group of uh, writers that helped the monkeys out. But um, when you think about I, I so I was there in 1987 when they were doing a revival tour. Okay? Um, that was eight, 30 years, 30 years after their last TV show. They were already passe in 1987, so to speak. Old timers, right? They're, they're, they had come and gone, and it was a reunion tour. A lot of fun. Let's go see it. We grew up with the monkeys. So I saw them again last night. More time has passed since they were passe, and I've seen them, than since they were passe, and I've seen them. <laughs> and poor Mike Nesmith comes out on a cane, you know, and he sits there and tells stories. Mickey Dolan's. To his credit, you know, Davy Jones used to be the lead singer. He's having passed. Mickey picked it all up. And to the degree, I don't know, that they use auto-tuners or whatever. He, you know, good for Mickey. Good for Mickey for picking up that slack, in a sense. But you saw these 76- and 78-year-olds on stage, and God love them. God love them. I got the sense from the audience that it was more important that we were there for them than that they came to town. Does that make any sense? They were so beyond their prime, it was hard for them to get on stage. I mean, when you have to use a cane to get on stage like that and then sit down the entire time, it was more like we were saying thank you to them than they were giving us a show. Does that make sense? And I and I suppose you're seeing this with a lot more bands. AC, DC has never stopped touring as far as I know, but you see it with the Rolling Stones and occasionally – don't don't the who come out every once in a while? I hear the Eagles are coming out this weekend or something. Kisses, <laughs> they're not quite that old. They're not quite that old, but that day will come. And when that day comes, if you had a liking for them, it might be nice for you to go and say, pay your specs and say goodbye if they had an impact on your life. And that's just kind of what it felt like a little bit. Kind of like the last time I 
saw Maynard Ferguson in concert. It was at a small venue in Washington, D.C. I just was walking by it one day and saw he had been was playing there that night. We got tickets, and he didn't play that much, and he died shortly thereafter. But, you know, just to say goodbye and thank you. Goodbye and thank you. Gratitude. Gratitude. It's an important and probably the most easily dismissed virtue. Now, I'm thinking of all of this, music, entertainment, certainly COVID plays a big role in all these things, as the Emmys take place last night. Now, I will tell you, I'm grateful for the fact that I didn't know they were taking place last night. I'm grateful for the fact that it seems there's less news about them, the Emmy Awards, than there usually is. But when you do look at this notion of entertainment and shame, it's revealing quite another interesting cleavage in this country. I, I read that vaccination rates, and I saw the graph, vaccination rates went down after Joe Biden's famous September 9th speech from the week before when vaccination rates were higher than before he spoke than after. And it dawned on me, you know, it has to do with another virtue, not gratitude. All of this has to do with another virtue, trust, which is related, of course, to truth. You can't trust something if it isn't true, if it isn't honest. And, you know, you name me the level of institutional, um, you name me the level of institutional projection or institutional advice or fact or dictate from the government. And you have a hard time finding something that's true. You find this in Afghanistan. You find it when you find it when it comes to COVID. You find it when it comes to everything in the bailiwick under which Kamala Harris operates and all the things she has been given the task of. You find it when it comes to the border and the Secretary of Homeland Security says the border is secure. You find this lack of trust in main institutions, particularly the government. And you understand why relativism rules in this country, while my, why, why my truth is more important than the truth, because it almost seems like we're searching around each of us with that, with that lamp of yore, looking for one honest thing that we've been told, looking for the truth. We look in vain, and then we blame ourselves or others for not believing this or that fact. I want to say more of that on I want to say something more on that when we come back. And also good news. I'll tell you about that when we come back too. Oh, by the way, Bill, can I ask you to come in with some monkeys a little bit, whether it's new stuff you pick, new stuff, whether it's new to this show that you pick or whether it's part of a rotator. Let's just keep the concert going a little bit. It, um, it's interesting because they came out as a band that was just a little bit different than what you were getting from bands in the 60s and 70s, you know, kind of like um, uh, kind of like Sonny and Cher. They were, you know, kind of against the culture and that they weren't with the culture. They weren't part of the whole Drug and psychedelic scene. Anyway, uh, John in Phoenix. Hi, John. Hi, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good, good. Hey, Seth, I am a big fan of your show. I want to say that right off the oh, bat. Oh, thank you. I've called in several times. Thanks. I've, uh, I think I shook your hand once at a, uh, a political event. Oh, good, ago, good, 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 good. 
Thank you. Um, I have been listening since you started, and I'm rarely ever at odds with you, but today you gave me two reasons to be at odds with you. Okay, fair enough. If I won another segment, we would have been up to three. I'm glad we stopped you at two. Go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. First off, the monkeys? I know. Yeah. I'll tell you about it in a minute. All right, we can come back to that. What's the second one? All right, it might be the easier one for me to answer. (laughs) What's the second objection? You might be a fan of the Ohio Fruit Gum Factory and like yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy too. I don't know. (laughs) Bubblegum Rock is is something. Um, Okay, go on, go on, go on. It was a part of my youth. Uh, A lot of our youths. You might be a little older than me. It's possible. But I get it. It's possible. But you would come home at least in Phoenix back in the day. Um, you would come home, you'd, you'd, you know, you'd want to delay a little bit going to work, homework, and you'd turn on the TV and the monkeys were on. And, you yeah, know, I it, was, it was all, you know, there's, there, there was worse music and worse lyrics. I could give you the times of the last 30 <laughs> years. <laughs> I could give you the last 30 yeah, years. Sure. All right, next objection. Go ahead. All right, the next one I want to play a little bit of uh, Stephen Crowder, Change My Mind. Oh, okay. Um. I say do not comply with vaccine mandates. Okay. I got a big problem with them. I say we got to draw the line. I've got a a real objection to these vaccine mandates. The show me your papers aspect. I'm with you on that. I, I get it. You know. I am vaccinated. Yep. I got both doses. Yep. Um, uh, I, I believe in the vaccine, yep. although my wife, for example, is not. Yep. Uh, several people I know and love are not, and for what I believe is good reason. I understand the reason. Sure. I sympathize with those reasons, and I agree with, with a lot of people. Yeah. you got to say the rollout was horrible yeah. on this thing. Yeah. They haven't convinced anybody of this thing. They've been back and forth on it so much. Uh, you went through a litany of of COVID. Uh, oh, right, right, my list of things that were true for thir- for no more than 30 days. Yeah, I can do that again, but yes, sure, sure. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the same people who are requiring the mandate today – 365 days ago, we're saying they wouldn't take it. That's right. That's right. And, um, uh, but this whole... Uh, so what, okay, so I, I don't know that we're that far apart on this. What, um, what about, okay, so what about your position is different than mine? I refuse to show proof of vaccination. Okay. I, at the point that I am willing to lose my job if necessary, and I have a very good job. I'm very happy where I work. So I don't. I don't know I that we're in disagreement. I don't know that we're in great disagreement, are we? Well, I wouldn't show it to go see a monkeys concert. Well, maybe I didn't. Did I say oh. I did? I well, okay, but you went in the uh, the other line then, right? One of the two is true. Should I share my health situation with the entire public? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, John. There's nothing I've said that you would find me being inconsistent about when it comes to COVID. Is that fair? Okay. So, how does your civil disobedience, uh, or you know, your civil resistance, your your I, I think uh, well-informed resistance to the vaccine mandates, you, uh, with which you and I agree on, uh, how would our behavior have been different? You just wouldn't have gone to the concert. I wouldn't have gone to the concert. Okay. There's, uh a okay. couple of concerts that I've heard that I thought, well, maybe I'd like to go to that. And then I found out they were going to require vaccines. Okay. I didn't even go any further. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know whether I was go, uh, whether I should share my, my my own health situation with the with with the radio audience. I suppose we can think it through. If I should or not, I'm happy to. If it's something that's of of, of great importance, but I, I can simply tell you that there's nothing I have done with regard to COVID that would be inconsistent with what I've said on the air. If that makes you feel better, as far as vaccine okay. mandates go, um, this was not a government mandate. This was a, uh, a mandate by the private venue and perhaps even the contractors of, you know, of, of the booking talent and agency, probably. Um, so, you know, I, I just, you know, I wanted to go see him. I wanted to go out. I wanted to go show solidarity with the community. The, it was packed. People wanted to go out and do things. I thought that was a, I thought it was a pretty good thing to do. I, I was glad to get out and do it. But I will tell you this. I did see a lot of interesting things, John. So I, one of the things I saw was a guy probably – I'm really bad at guessing age. Maybe you're better at it. But I'm going to guess somewhere between 60 and 70. Um, and he wore his vaccine um, uh, uh, passport. He wore his vaccination paper with a lanyard around his neck as if it were a necklace you know, or a tie. And I thought, oh, boy, this is a really new era. And it feels a little uncomfortable. Wow. It's hard to put your finger on wh- what is he trying to communicate. That's what I, I wasn't going to ask him. But I, I, I just was wondering, what are you trying to communicate when you wear your vaccine papers on your shirt? It's a little too close for the 1930s for me, to be honest with you. Even though it's voluntary, I understand. What the heck are you trying to communicate to me? Do you want uh, it to be a conversation of- piece? Do you want me to be less afraid of you? Do you want me to be more afraid of you? If you're trying to communicate that we should be less afraid of you, it's it's a bad communication because we know that the vaccine the vaccinated spread the disease. So, I, you know, I don't know what he's trying to communicate. It's virtue signaling. It's something like that. But I will tell you another vaccine story, John. From the weekend. Um, and and it, it was heart wrenching. I was standing in line at a Walgreens and uh, there were two girls clearly unrelated based on observation and obvious characteristics. But they were, you know, friends. How good? I don't know. Two young girls, probably 11 or so. One of them in front of me in line with a mask on and her other friend kind of running around the store, walking around the aisles while we were in line. So I'm behind the young girl, masked young girl waiting to check out. And um, and and then what happened was very sad. Uh, the other girl came up and talked to her, and and the one who was masked said to the one who was unmasked, "You're not masked. You're not vaccinated. Get away from me." And so they were having some other fight that COVID made that a convenient use to have a fight over, I suppose. But I just thought how sad we have now created another way to pit child against child and to make, in this case. You know, at that age where cattiness and shame, you know, has such a dramatic impact, we've given yet one more one more club to bludgeon each other with, particularly our youth. And I just think it's really sad and we really ought to step back and think about are we all Americans here? Are we all in this together or are we all not in this together? And if you're saying that you have to get vaccinated to be all in this together, I want to have that conversation with you because it seems to me. This country should be big enough and should be mature enough and should be wise enough to understand that, you know, any number of things can be communicated and any number of things can be done by any number of us to any other. But we shouldn't divide ourselves over something that even if we get it, 
you'll be fine in 99% of the cases. Really? We're going to kill ourselves over that? Time to stop that. More monkeys and less fear. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If it's 34 past the hour, we get to do our culture and economy update with the great John Dombrowski. Grand Canyon Planning Associates is his company where he's president and founder. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his great website. Do I give him a minute? All right. Let me take a quick call. If you're on hold, don't go away. Let me take a quick call before we go to John. Let's do uh, Norman's surprise real quick. Hi, Norm. Hey, guy. How hey, are you? Thank I'll you. I'll be real brief. Okay. I'll be real, real brief. Um, I'm one of those conservative Republicans, never voted for Democrat, so I just want you to know where I'm coming from. Okay. Now, having, having said that, I am so sorry about this young woman that was killed in Wyoming. Gabby Petito. Yes, I. You know, it's terrible, but we have a 24-hour news cycle. I'm only asking this question, and it's rhetorical. Why is it that young black women, young Hispanic women, Native American women, and Asian women disappear, and the press, the media has no interest in talking about that story, but they'll spend hours and hours talking about this young lady i don't know do we it's a it's a fair question and to the degree that we do it's wrong i I, is there is there a a, an example a a similar example of a situation where a young black girl was uh, abducted or died mysteriously and we don't have the same kind of coverage i i would want that to be equal coverage of course but is there a lot of that going on no, there isn't, and that's really my question, and maybe I'm not just framing it correctly. We oh. have a lot of young people dying and disappearing and, and taken advantage of, etc., but we focus on certain people, and I just think it's um, I guess that's my comment. I, I, I get upset when, when we need to treat everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes, we course. we can't have a program all day long talking about all the missing people in the country. Yeah, but it just just seems like we focus on certain ones. Sure, sure, <clears throat> I agree with you. <clears throat> Part of it, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> clear my throat for a second. Don't eat peanuts before a show. Norm, part of it is that, and we can get this from Adam Smith. We can get this really <clears throat> from anywhere. That when large numbers of people, you know, die, it's hard to grasp the enormity of it, especially if it's in one incident. You know, there's obvious grief. There's obvious sadness. But when you can identify a single person and put a face and a name to it and give the context of the full biography, sometimes it rings a little more a little more realistically to us or at least a little more deeply that that may be part of it. But I will join you in your cause if um, if you're if you're concerned about the way certain deaths make news and other deaths don't. I join you in saying that that's simply wrong. You know, we are now living in a um, we're now living in a world that 
or at least a country that anyone under I don't know this a certain age, roughly probably twenty at this point, thirty maybe in some places, but where young adults deaths uh, due to uh, or with COVID become national news in one-off situations, and you know I have to tell you. <clears throat> the death of any man should diminish us because we all consider ourselves a part of mankind, as John Donne poetically put it. But, you know, for a lot of us who have been pulling out our our hair when our hair wasn't on fire, talking about all kinds of preventable deaths, particularly in our youth population, I mean, Arizona loses roughly between seven and hundred and eight hundred children a year uh, before the age of eighteen. Uh, many of which have to do with such things like self harm and drug abuse. Why are I get we want to protect you know the names of our young, but why are these stories not headlines? It turns out that there are certain kind of privileges in this country, according to the press. Maybe it's an easy story. Maybe it's a story they think that they can they can um, springboard into a bigger cause. I don't know. But, you know, to the degree that we're covering up uh, minority or people of color who have had similar fates – I think the direction typically runs the other way, especially when you think of cop shootings. It turns out, I think, that the stories are so strong about these individual incidents that they overwhelm the actual statistics. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. I believe that's Neil Diamond's writing for the monkeys there, if I'm not mistaken. A little bit me, a little bit you. And prior to that, we had uh, Carol King song uh, in the uh, voice of the monkeys. Let's go to Dana and Chandler. Welcome, Dana. How are you? I'm hanging in there, Seth. Good. Um, the reason why I'm calling is because I'm your call. I'm the person you were talking about in the very beginning. Fair enough. Um, and I am forever grateful of all the good thoughts that I know your listeners are sending me. You bet. And I wanted to let you know how absolutely messed up our healthcare system really is. And when I started getting sick last week, I called my regular physician's office and I thought I was having a sinus infection from the headache pain. And they said that because I was sick, they wouldn't see me. Mm. And so I said, well, what am I supposed to do? And they said, well, you can go to urgent care. So I went to urgent care and was diagnosed with a sinus infection, and it never got better. The headache got to the point where it was so awful that I had to go to the emergency room. And, of course, you know, it's all COVID all the time. There's nothing else out there. And it turns out that West Nile meningitis is seeing an explosion in the valley the infectious disease doctor said that he has seen a tenfold increase in it in the last month. No kidding. More so, more so than he's seen in the last ten years combined. No kidding. So I tell your listeners, wear your bug spray. Wear your bug spray. This is a mosquito thing, isn't it? This 
is a mosquito-borne illness. Yes. Yeah, and, and there's a lot out there. Awful. Have you noticed more mosquitoes, more anyway. moths lately? Yeah. Yeah, they said because it's been a very wet monsoon, yeah. the yeah. mosquitoes have been terrible. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because you know you won't hear it on the news. No, you um, won't. But no, you won't. It's is, a good point. The place is full of us. I'm glad. And you... I have to say kudos to Chandler Regional because they've been taking great care of me. Good, good, good. Kudos to them. We wish you a speedy recovery. You'll keep us. You. You'll keep us posted. I certainly will. And you know me, I don't do sit still very no, well. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. But the audience is keeping a good thought and a prayer for you, okay? And I certainly appreciate every single one of them. You betcha. You betcha. And, and, I, and I guess we're going to start hearing about it more. I, I, I suppose we'll start hearing a little bit about it more now that people are, you know. Maybe. Yeah. And I'm glad Maybe. you brought Who the knows? news to us. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. Dana, Wear your me. bug spray. There you go. Wear some bug spray. Dana, thank you. Bless you. Godspeed. Rafael Schlema. Sandra's in Phoenix. Hello, Sandra. Hi, Seth. Thank you for taking my call, sir. Of I course. I just wanted to uh, uh, say you're amazing, and I, you're, I call you Rabbi Seth. I love oh, you so much. Oh, oh, no. Thank you. Oh, no. <laughs> thank you, Oh, Rabbi now Seth. we're just going to disappoint <laughs> you, Sandra. That's the problem with doing that, too. You'd you never disappoint. Oh, oh, you're You'd kind. never disappoint, you're too Seth. Kind. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything, honey. Thank you. Um, I wanted to confirm Norm's uh, claim, uh, well, uh, Norm's uh, what he was saying uh, about uh, how Gabby Petito has been getting more uh, recognition in the media. Yeah, talk to um, me about that. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to take up too much of your time. That's okay. It's. I'm glad example. you guys are both doing it because I'll be honest with you. It was a story I didn't focus on until um, right. until I saw that I had a call on it. I, I honestly didn't. I can explain why. But you go ahead. You go ahead. Yes, sir. Well, I'm a criminologist, oh. and and um, we we I, you know I I research criminals all. I mean that's my life. Yeah. So, um, you remember Scott Peterson? Yeah. With Lacey. Yeah. Lacey Peterson yeah. went missing. Yeah. Um. Now here's an example. Now she's a Caucasian woman, which is top <laughs> the proper terminology. I guess so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Lacey Peterson disappeared, and the whole media, the world, felt to its knees and, and rightfully do so we need to you know look out for our own i have no if there's no distinction between caucasian for me or hispanic or like you know we are all human and we all need to show the same and i see where he's coming from sure. we need to show the same care for everyone sure okay not be hyper hypocrite right but this is uh, an example of our media okay. and uh at the time, I believe uh, our media has changed. You know that that very well. Um, right now, it's kind of backtracked. There is and, no uh, media right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. I would say, quote unquote. There are carnival barkers. Okay. There's very little media. Yeah. <laughs> right now, uh, it's like an attack on the Caucasian people, the white people. And um, but during that time in 2003, when this whole mess with Scott Peterson. I research everything to a T. So, you know, I wanted to give the guy the benefit of the doubt, okay? I understand there's all this stuff that happens. But if you actually research the story in Modesto, I have family in Modesto. And uh, so conversations come and go. They told me about a Hispanic woman who was pregnant, the same uh, same way Lacey Peterson was, um, 
during the time that she was pregnant, I think like seven months prior, Lacey Peterson disappearing, sir, um, she ended up, her name was Evelyn Hernandez, and uh, she was, same thing, pregnant, like Lacey Peterson. She was found, guess where? Uh, she was found murdered, um, her body in the same area as Lacey Peterson. And she was from Modesto. So, yes. That's a really good example, Sandra. So that's what I was asking for. Where would be a good example? That is one. That is a good one. So yes. thank you for it. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're welcome, sir. And I and I thank you for your time. But I'm glad I, I could at least remind America, Evelyn Hernandez as well disappeared. Yeah. How how old how old were these young young ladies roughly? Do you remember? Give they or take. In, they were they were before. They didn't even hit thirty. Uh-huh. Um, I know that. Uh, if you look it up, she was a mother already. Evelyn Hernandez did have children, um, but uh, Lacey Peterson, I believe, was 26, and I believe Sandra, uh, Evelyn Hernandez was about 28. They were not even 30 years old, these women, and it's tragic, you know. So, Sandra, it is, and and I'm glad you brought this out. I, I would love examples um, wherever there is a racial bias in reporting, whether it works one way or the other. Because the only way I still believe in getting rid of racial bias or at least claims of claims of racial bias is to get rid of racial bias. And, and, and go I'm ahead. Not, I'm not to cut you off, sir. I, I apologize for that. That's but okay. You want to hear something weird? Oh, now, always. Uh, Lacey Peterson is, and like I told you, I, I researched everything to a T, okay. to your ethnicity, to your background, everything. Lacey Peter, Peterson was actually have Portuguese. Okay. Uh, Portuguese descent. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. you know, there is some link between, you know, Latino, Latino, that Latino white versus, uh, you know, Mexican American, you know, um, even though the cultures are different, it, you know, ra- the languages are different, it is still a Latin co- uh, community. The Latino, you know, there's a, Vanna White is uh, Hispanic, she's Cuban. I mean, nobody would have think something. I understand you know? the point. Uh, no, I do, and I'm glad yeah. you highlighted it and underscored it. Let's go on the record in saying that we would be a much stronger and healthier country if we didn't count the value of life or death by race and leave it at that, right? I don't know how more clearly or plainly to say it, and it drives in two directions. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I didn't know this uh, this story would have so many layers to it, and this is why I'm so indebted to all of you for, uh, for, for giving it to us. I've gotten some wonderful and intelligent emails as well as calls here on this uh, on the Petito uh, homicide investigation out of Wyoming. Ryan in Phoenix. Hi, Ryan. Oh, Seth, a long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you for having me on. And respectfully, uh, those calls got a little under my collar. Uh, I'd like to present the real narrative of why this story is being covered so much, and it's the intrinsic drama and the fact that they're trying to present white males as being bad people. I think the first one is the bigger one, in all honesty. This story has a lot of made-for-TV drama all about it, a lot of drama that every parent in America can imagine themselves going through this. I mean, it's a very unique drama situation with her missing, the guy not giving information, and I think that's the main reason it's coast to coast. But 
what I can tell you is what you can look at this also and say any opportunity they get to bash white males, they do. And all over Arizona last year, I was one of those people on Facebook and Twitter you would see before they banned me for it, showing all the examples of Caucasian American men being gunned down in the streets on camera that the news ignores. Mm -hmm. You got banned for that, by the way? Well, I I can go on a list. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, the ASU, a public institution, banned a radio journalist for linking to a New York Post op uh, uh, story about one of these assailants. So it doesn't surprise me. I was just curious, yeah, how wide that net is, yeah. Yeah, I'm one of the people who even had a book banned from Amazon about the coronavirus last year. No kidding. But what I would tell you is that all over America, every single day, all those callers have to do is decide that they want to take a look at how many innocent white children were murdered by people of other races around them in horrific instances so bad you can't believe it. It happens every day in every major city in America, and the news doesn't cover it. What they cover are stories where they get to make white males look bad. I was just going to ask. Yeah, no, it's a very, it's a that that point alone is interesting. What is it about this? I, I don't suppose Wyoming is a very high homicide state comparatively. Yeah. Uh, so what is it about this that's so different? But you know, in Arizona, we the have week we, yeah. the week that the parents were the week that the parents were hanging on, not knowing what was going. That was. Gosh, my heart's beating fast thinking about that. I hear about missing girls all the time. I'm I'm a parent. I don't have a daughter. I have a son, but I have no yeah. close nieces. The the notion that she's out there potentially dead, not knowing that. Oh know. my god! Yeah, it, it, I don't know how you sleep. I, you wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Thank no, you, I no, I take the day. point. I take the point. But take a state like Arizona. I haven't looked lately, but I think on any given year we're at like. Mm, 300 or so homicides. Maybe it's up to 400 some years. 300, somewhere in the neighborhood of 300, 400 homicides a year in Arizona. I'm guessing Wyoming is substantially less than that. But what is it that this, I mean, each, each homicide has a backstory. And if it doesn't, as between the two people, it certainly does with regard to what led to the trigger in the head. It's an interesting point. And that white male part of it is even more interesting yet. Don't go away. A lot more to do. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.